You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Hello, fellow podcast host Ethan Bolton. Hello, fellow podcast host Josiah Pitts. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, will I say something different? Will I say it differently? No, I'm going to reciprocate. No, I shall say the same. Mm. How's the coffee this morning? It's pretty good. Funny thing about that. Well, I say it's pretty good. I have no complaints. Yeah. But on trade coffee, I rated it neutral because mm-hmm. frankly, it's it's not going to move the needle. So why bother? Yeah. But as you know, and I've spoken about this for a very long time, because this has taken a very long time. I've gone back since they've improved the rating system and reordered every single thing I ever had right. and left unrated so I could properly rate it. Yeah. And um, this right now is the very last bag there that, you I have have, it. that I've left to rewrite. So, man, it's been, it's been going on. It is finished. <laughs> To tell us die, son. <laughs> Indeed. I think it's got to be going on a year at this mm. point. But um, it is a subtle, unimpressive accomplishment. But I feel it nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, buddy. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well done. Now you got a nice catalog of coffees that you can yeah. go back to and be like, oh, yes, I really enjoyed this one. I shall See, choose this one for the next order. That's where the satisfaction really comes in. Yeah. The, the yes, real payoff. Sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. I haven't done anything quite like that, but I am excited because as of this recording, mm-hmm. so by the time this episode releases, it will be passed, but the premiere of Kenobi. I'm so excited. Yeah. <sighs> I am absolutely pumped. Up. It's got to be good. And we get two episodes to start with. I know. That makes is, me so happy. What is that? Already a quarter of the show? Yeah, because it's six episodes, oh, I think. Oh, it's six? I think it's six. Interesting. Or is it eight? For some reason, I thought it was six. I had that in my head. Maybe I'm thinking of another show. Maybe I'm thinking of The Book of Boba Fett. Uh, yeah. Well, or um, That didn't quite pan out the way a lot of us thought it would. Or am I thinking of Moon Knight? Guess what? You're right. It is six? It's six. Okay. So it's a whole third. Yeah. But I like that we actually get to... I mean, this is like an intro movie. Yes, it is. And that's what I was thinking is if they're, you know, 40 minutes a piece, give or take, sure. let's say. something like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's what, 240 minutes of content? So really... It would be like getting an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie, except twice yeah. that. And I mean, I'm happy with that. So like when you think like, oh, six episodes, that's not many. It's kind of like a but... mini Obi-Wan trilogy. Yes. So when I think about it like that, at first, it's like, oh, six episodes. That's kind of a bummer. I was hoping for more. But when you think about it instead, like, oh, we could have gotten a Kenobi movie that would have been two hours. Uh-huh. But instead, we're getting yeah. all this extra. Mm-hmm. And I'm a, I'm a huge, huge, huge advocate for limited series because yes. it forces a distillation of the story. It becomes more focused. They trim the fat. They're not kind of dragging it out for a, a 13 episode old school traditional season. Right. I so appreciate these little little dedicated limited series. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I'm really, I'm pretty excited. Me too. And I recently saw a little interview between Hayden Christensen, infamously Anakin. Yes. And Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan, mm-hmm. like across the table from one another. And it was just, it was like so deeply endearing. It's like, oh, brothers. That is, that is so nice. Yeah. And I feel like. When the prequels were actually coming out when we were children, yeah, there was a lot of hate, might be a strong word, but people know. like Hayden Christensen, they weren't fans of no, him, that's I felt true. like. Yeah. They were like, ah, is he a good Anakin Skywalker? But I think over time, like even I going back and rewatching mm-hmm. the prequels, I'm like, he played a good, moody, yeah. kind of hard to read, unstable Anakin. Yeah, for like, sure. You can see how he became Darth Vader. Yeah. And there were certainly some cringe moments in like Attack of the Clones. Oh, yeah. But like, granted, it wasn't really Hayden's fault. No. This is kind of like the... That's the writing. That's George Lucas. (laughs) I'm afraid afraid so. (laughs) Sorry, George. (laughs) Yeah. 
but um, but I feel like people have really come around to him. Was the point is I like he's have, yeah. he's really you know actually welcomed and because everyone seems excited about the fact that he's oh yeah back people definitely seem to it. I feel I feel I struggle to get a read on things. I think a lot of times because I'm like, what are people happy? Are they mad? What <laughs> I don't know, but I'm excited. Which I do think is funny because I can't think of anyone who yeah. felt that way about you and McGregor. Oh right, yeah. Everyone loved him. I feel like from the get go. Yes. Oh, he's the perfect Obi Wan. Yeah. Of course, of course he is. Like who else? Who else yeah. would we get? But he had a much smaller task. Yeah. And so did the writing. Like we already have this completely fleshed out character who is as he is. Yeah. Whereas Vader, we need someone who is not yet Vader at all. Right. And you need to experience that transformation. Yeah. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, that's the good stuff right it there. Is. I'm that's really good. hyped. Me too. Me too. I am also excited because today mm. we conclude our mini series, our limited series <laughs> on biblical covenants. Wow. Da 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 da. Yeah. Yeah. Like- <laughs> So yeah, we're wrapping it up and we end, of course, with the creme de la creme, the best of the best, the greatest administration of God's covenant with his people, the new covenant. (laughs) (laughs) It's the only one that gets a theme song. (laughs) It makes sense, though. Um, I was like so locked into like these Old Testament specifics Mm -hmm. that I fully expected another one. (laughs) I really did. I'm like, Like, where's the, there's got to be one more or something, right? I'm sure there's one that is just not coming to mind. (laughs) Uh, When when you sent me the outline, I was genuinely surprised there for a minute. Like, oh yeah. (laughs) This one. That's right. The The, the one. one, The the new covenant. (laughs) The covenant of which we are a part. Of which all of God's people are a part. Yeah. Of which allows us to eat bacon. That too. (laughs) That too. Oh, isn't that pedantic? It's like, oh, thank God for the new covenant. Like, oh, that's, yeah. That is the go-to. That's it. Just just because you can eat pork. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, cool. I mean, I like pork, so I, I, could, I can't hate. I could live under that and never eat pork. I could do it. Okay. Yeah, see, it's, not me. I, I love yeah. pork. That's fair, though. I can understand how a lot of people, it's very... Is it? I just assume that everyone I feel like it's very polarizing. It. Really? I feel like that. This is hard. I could be wrong, hear. but, you know. It's like, because it's, it's a pig. Yeah. You I know? just don't so like... So when I you think r- about pigs, it's... See, I'm the kind of person who would like to know someone with a pet pig. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, cool. That's just an animal. Oh, you know? like Nick Cage in that <laughs> yeah. movie. I would like to be his friend. Um, <laughs> no, I really dislike the taste of ham. See, that's funny because, yeah, ham is not my favorite. It's but, specifically like that's a big ruiner for me. But I do love... The stuff I like, you can make it out of other stuff. And I'd be, I'm, I guess really the point is I have such low standards when it comes <laughs> to like bacon. I don't care what you make it out of, frankly. <sighs> make it turkey, I don't care. Make it yeah. f- just made of protein polymers, I'll eat it. <laughs> I don't care. I'm, just, I'm a chicken person. That's what I'm that's getting at. If it was a ban on chicken, I would struggle. That's fair. Well, all those things aside. <laughs> yeah, why did I? I'm so sorry. No, 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 I went off on that. I was like, thank God for, you know, the fact we can eat pork. <sighs> so, well, right off the bat, I do think we ought to say something as a an introduction to the rest of our discussion. Okay. And that is the new covenant is not new mm-hmm. in the sense that it's administering something totally different than the other older covenants. Uh, okay, right. It's not the erase everything else covenant. Yeah. <laughs> That would not be... Uh. No, that would be self-defeating in many (laughs) ways, actually, if you consider the nature of the covenants. No, the heart of the new covenant is the same as all the others, which is the Emmanuel principle, Mm. to really sum it up. So that is that God will be our God and we will be his people. 
And it's still a bond and blood sovereignly administered, which in this case, it's just done through the death of Christ, as we yeah. will see later. So a lot of that is not changing. So even though the new covenant administers the same substance of blessing that's contained under the old Opalmer Robertson, the guy we've referenced several times who wrote mm-hmm. a great book on the covenants, he notes that the new covenant is new in that it's a break from past covenantal administrations. Okay, as long as I don't have to explain that, <laughs> we should be fine. <laughs> right? You're like, oh yeah, that all sounds like totally... It's not new sense. per se, it. but it is new in these ways. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And that is a genuine point of, I think, confusion would be a strong term. But like when you read it on the surface, you do think, well, if it's the same substance, how is it actually new? Yeah. Like that doesn't make any sense. Sure. And what he would point out is that the new covenant is new, especially as it regards, for example, one, the power given to those within the covenant to keep God's precepts. That would be one. Two would be the way that God administered this covenant specifically through his son directly. Like there's no mediator so to speak, as in like God is like, I'll make this covenant with Abraham and then through Abraham will that be administered to everyone else. It's like, oh, oh no, through my right. son. And in the okay. case, the son is God. Exactly. So, so you have that going on. Third would be like the full and actual forgiveness of sin mm. brought about by the new covenant's inauguration. And then fourth would be the everlasting character of the new covenant. So all those previous administrations ended and now you get this inauguration, this administration, and it's yeah. everlasting in character. So like in many ways, everything that came before feels like an incomplete shadow. Yes. Yes. That's a great way to put it. Like they suggested here and there what we ultimately see culminating in this. Yes, 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 yes. And we're going to talk about that quite a bit here in this discussion because the new covenant in all of its fullness was anticipated in the administrations of the old covenant. Yeah. So, yeah, those are just a few examples, and we'll flesh some more of those out, but just to kind of give you a framework yeah. for understanding how it is new, how it is different. And you might be asking, you know, where do we see all this laid out biblically? You know, we're just <laughs> making this up. So, as far as the Old Testament goes, we actually find the new covenant prophesied explicitly in passages such as Jeremiah 31, 27 to 34, and Ezekiel 37. And they're very, the, the words new covenant are used. <laughs> You know, so it's pretty hard to miss. Let me just read a few verses from that passage in Jeremiah to give us a flavor. Mm -hmm. He says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant, there it is, with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Man, it seems so much more deeply personal. Yes. In the way that's written. Yes. And that is another key piece. Hmm of the New Covenant administration is that we sometimes we get a little bit of the heebie-jeebies about the word intimate, but it is a much more intimate yeah. administration of the covenant. It is more, for lack of a better term, face-to-face with the Lord than the other administrations were. And so if I can oversimplify this a little bit, what you see under the old covenants is that God has a covenant people in Israel, but overall their track record as a nation is not great. So like his covenant is specifically with the nation of Israel, okay? And for example, during the days of Elijah, 
God says, there are only 7,000 who haven't bowed the knee to Baal. Mm. Out of the whole nation, out of this whole covenant people, only 7,000 are actually keeping mm. covenant with God. Mm-mm. Underachievers. Yeah, not great. Not great. <laughs> so under the old covenants, you have a large nation of unbelievers and a rather small remnant that actually believes in God. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, you get almost a complete flip of that when you're talking about the inauguration of the new covenant. Mm. And this is why you get God saying, again, to Elijah in that specific case, not all Israel is Israel, which that's, you know, confusing at first. Like, what do you mean not all Israel is Israel? What he's saying is not all who are ethnically Israelite, who are part of my covenant people by birth, mm-hmm. are true spiritual Israelites, right. where they have a relationship with me by mm-hmm. faith. So you get the flip with the inauguration of the new covenant so that you have a large church of believers and a rather small remnant of unbelievers within that body. Okay. So it's kind of the flip, if that makes sense. Sure. So the church, of course, still fails in sins. Like, So we don't want to, you know, put rose-colored glasses on that. <laughs> right. um, those of you who have read that report on the SBC, the Southern Baptist Convention that just released, that was like a pretty horrific example of the fact mm-hmm. that, oh yeah, the church still sins. So like, it's not a perfect community. But that's actually, ironically, I think a point in the favor of understanding it this way is that we are shocked and appalled when something like that happens. Whereas that was par for the course for Israel (laughs) for most of their history, right? Like this is not normal for the church in the sense that like when it's discovered, it is condemned. We recognize it as sin and we do what we can to make amends. Whereas, you know, for most of Israel's history under the old covenants, they were just like, oh yeah, worship Baal, Moloch, you know, Philistine gods, hmm. Egyptian gods, you know, whatever. Like, we'll do whatever, you know, with, with these small pockets of faithfulness in between. Yeah. And now oh, okay. it's almost the complete flip, I do if see that makes sense. Yeah. So under this new administration, we are now primarily marked out as a people who have new hearts, new desires, and we're empowered by the Holy Spirit himself to obey God's laws. And whereas in previous administrations, for lack of a better term, you read about God forgiving sins under the Old Covenant, but when you read a passage like, in Romans, where Paul says he overlooked previous sins, yeah. really, he was doing that because full forgiveness had not yet been purchased by the Son on the cross. Mm-hmm. So all of that is actually happening through the new covenant right. administered by Christ. So that's basically a long and complicated way of saying all of these benefits, all of these promises that we read about in the Old Testament find their fulfillment and culmination through Christ in the new covenant. And that covenant is ratified and sealed in his blood by his death on the cross. And that's why uh, during the Last Supper, he took the cup and said, this is the new covenant in my blood, (laughs) right? Because that's what he was doing. And even though we do have a couple passages where the new covenant is prophesied explicitly, as you kind of pointed out earlier, it was also for lack of a better term, baked into the other older various covenants. So again, for example, in the Abrahamic covenant, we remember that God promised to bless the nations through Abraham's seed, right? And of course, ironically, you think all throughout the Old Testament, if you're just following it chronologically, oh, the people of Israel are supposed to be a blessing to the nations. (laughs) And yet consistently, they are not that, right? (laughs) Like, what in the world? So you start wondering, well, how is that going to happen? Like, is this just going to be a swing and a miss? Is (laughs) this not going to happen? (laughs) So what Paul makes clear in a book like Galatians is that 
the seed through which God blesses the nations is actually Christ. Right. He is that promised son who brings blessing to the nations, not just in that he shares material blessings or anything like that, but that he brings about the blessings of knowing God. Again, mm-hmm. that Emmanuel principle. They will be my people. I will be their God, which until that time was something that, oh, well, if you want to be included in God's covenant people, you need to become a Jew. Well, not oh, anymore. Right, right. You don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. So you have that, and that's baked into the Abrahamic covenant mm-hmm. from the beginning. It's just that for most of Israel's history, they didn't understand that. And then Christ <laughs> comes like, oh, no, no, that was about me the whole time. Same thing with the Davidic covenant. You have God promising that he will be a father. Uh, Like, that's not language that has been used in the Old Testament at this point, really, that he will be a father to one of David's sons, and he will establish his throne forever. Mm. Okay? Well, no, that's interesting because, you know, David's son, Solomon, because when you're reading it, you think, oh, it's got to be somebody like Solomon. Right. And the people of the time would have thought, you know. Yeah, Solomon, right? And he was like the wisest man who ever lived. (laughs) Right. Favored by God. Israel never had the kind of peace and prosperity they had during the reign of Solomon. But then, of course, Solomon dies. Yeah. And he's short forever. Yeah, it is. And he, of course, massively fails. Like, yeah, you know, that's what happens when you basically marry a thousand women. And uh, <laughs> yeah, not a, not a wise move for the wise and, man. Uh, and of course, he ends up. I think a lot of uh, times we forget this, but he. I'm pretty sure it was he set up an altar to an Egyptian god. Pretty explicit idolatry. Yeah. So you start looking at it and thinking, oh gosh, well that can't be it, you know? And also, even if you took David's throne being established forever as just like the succession of his throne. Well, that succession is broken during the exile. Oh, yeah, okay. So again, you're like, how in the world is this going to happen? And then Christ comes and he is... God's beloved son who does perfectly keep the law and who does reign forever. Not even death ends his reign. So that's baked into that covenant. And so you just see all these promises even, okay, even in like the Mosaic Covenant, because you might be thinking, well, that's the covenant, like this law, like they couldn't keep the law, all these things. Well, no, no, no. In Deuteronomy, God says, one day I myself will give you a new heart ah. and I will cause you to walk in my precepts and desire to obey me. We see that exact language. Yes, yes, exactly. Whoa. Right? Yes. So all of that is baked into those covenants. And they're, of course, then ultimately fulfilled in the new. And when the new covenant is explicitly prophesied, It's, of course, attended with the sort of blessings connected to the very presence of God himself. Like, it it all hangs together. And if you can kind of hold it all together in your head, actually, you know, here's really the way you want to understand the covenants, is you want to understand yourself as standing within the new covenant and then go back and read all the older ones in light of that. Yeah. That's how you want to do it. Like, that's that's the only way it really makes sense. <laughs> so, yeah, as the beneficiaries of this covenant directly, we get new hearts on which the law is written. We get full forgiveness of sins. And we get that personal relationship with the Lord himself, including we all have the spirit to dwell inside of us. Mm-hmm. Even throughout Old Testament history, the saints who believed their hearts had to be made new by the Holy Spirit. But they didn't have the same relationship to him that we do. Like, he dwells within us. Yeah. He unites all all of us to the body of Christ. And you can read about that in Galatians and Ephesians and places like that. Like just the depths to which we are. You just ever think about the fact, like if you put it this way, like just God dwells inside you. Like it's just, you could just say that because the spirit is God. Right. That's just pretty amazing. Like you get all those benefits and blessings as part of the new covenant. And so when we come to the new Testament and the new covenant, then we see Christ as the great fulfillment and goal of all the other covenants. That's really, if you wanted to boil it all down and you wanted to forget everything we said before (laughs) and you were like, what's the point? How should we remember this? It's that Christ is the fulfillment and the goal. He's the seed of Abraham through whom blessings extend to the nations. He's the 
son of David, who reigns over his people beneficently. He is the one who forgives sins. He welcomes us into communion with the triune God. He is the one we will see face to face one day. All the promises and blessings promised in God's covenants are fulfilled and truly given to us by Christ in the new covenant. And that, hmm. that's the big bit. Yeah. That's the, that's the takeaway right there. So, yeah. There you have it. Good. Makes sense of all the other stuff right the there. The last covenant. That's it. Boom. Yeah. Everlasting. Da-ding, da-ding. Unlike this episode, which is <laughs> now coming to an end. And for which we thank you to listening. Wow. That was my prepositions we got thank all. thank you to listening we to this. We thank you to, to listening. We are glad you listened. <laughs> and if you have any questions or comments, you can email us at podcast at horizonchurch.net or interact with us on social media. Thank you as always for listening, and we'll catch you next time.